Hello, welcome back. This is a blog post series episode, episode, episode. I had too much coffee. Uh, so that's what that is. Kramaga myths and misconceptions is the theme of this one. But first, brought to you by Urban Tactics Kramaga. So if you love us, you can support us and follow us in a variety of manners. It is easy to find us on utkmblog.com where you see the basis of these blog post series ones and other other information, general stuff about Krav Maga and other thoughts that we have. And of course, if you want to listen to the older podcasts, they will be up on utkmblog.com if you click on podcast. No shocker there. Now, of course, if you like general stuff that we do you can follow us on instagram at urban tactics krav maga on twitter urban tactics km though we don't post that much there you know <coughs> fashion. anyways and something else probably something else facebook yeah urban tactics krav maga and um if you want to support us you can of course click on the support us button on utkmblog.com and if you're feeling really generous, you can just donate us money. Though we are not a charity, so you don't get a tax write-off. Though I don't have a problem taking your money. Um, but reality is most people don't do that, you know, because we're human. And we like something for our monies. So if you want something more related to Krav Maga, you can go to utkmu.com. And right now, again, at this point, Hopefully you're listening to this in 20 years and we have so much more. But at this point, the beginner and novice curriculum is up there starting at $15 a month. Of course, I appreciate annual payments because who doesn't? You'll save money that way. And then you can check out what we're teaching. So if you don't live near me or don't have a Krav Maga school near you, you can follow along with our curriculum. And, of course, if you want to join our classes virtually, you can go to urbantacticskm.com and sign up or email us via those websites, and I can help sort you out. Yes, you can talk to me directly, at least at this point. In 20 years, probably not, but right now it's fine. And then you can set up and you can join our classes live, though they are in Pacific Standard Time, so I'm not doing more than that at the moment. Uh, and that will support us greatly. Of course, if you go to support us on the blog page, you can scroll down and I have some Amazon affiliate links. You can buy products like the coffee I'm drinking today. Uh, actually, highly recommend coffee by a lot of very successful people for a Sigmatic. Uh, and you can buy the coffee that I use that I like, uh, low acidity. And I drink tons of it and it keeps me a little bit focused and mentally without feeling jittery. And there's other stuff there. Uh, not too much right now. But uh, books, for example, I recommend. You can also use that. So again, if you like our content, you can support us because, you know, government's keeping everything shut down still. Or we're not too bad here, but our industry is basically shuttered because raisins, meaning reasons. It's always reminding me of a South Park episode. Very appropriate, I know. Anyways, utkimblog.com, support us. You can either forward slash support us or, the, you know, it's at the menu at the top. So anyways... And don't forget to follow us on social media. This one is about Kramaga myths and commit. So much for the coffee. 
Kramaga myths and misconceptions. Because uh, there's a shit ton because, you know, the Internet and Reddit and people and ego and stuff. So let's just I'm going to go down through. I'm not going to go too crazy on some of it because I have a whole different series coming up on that. But uh, have listen to this first one. You're listening to The Warrior's Day. Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga. Turning lambs into lions. Krav Maga Myths and Misconceptions Like all things in life that involve humans, Krav Maga is surrounded with myths, rumors, legends, and misconceptions. While we Kravists, those who train Kramaga like to tell ourselves that ours is a globally recognized style that is simply not true yet. Most people still haven't heard of Kramaga, and it has yet to penetrate the collective psyche in a way karate, taekwondo, judo, and more recently BJJ have. Of course, in certain circles like law enforcement and the military, it is more well known as these are the groups it was originally for though it has since opened up for all to learn. Despite the expansion and the length of time it has been around, at least 80 years, there are still so many myths about the style out there. This is partially due to the fact that Krav Maga isn't as widespread as we would like yet, and partially due to the abundance of underqualified individuals teaching it. No, a piece of paper does not mean you know how to run a school properly or teach Krav Maga in a consistent structure and manual manner while maintaining the essence of the system. So, as we do every once in a while, we thought we would break down a few of these myths in a series. Here are some of the myths or commonly held ideas we wish to break down in detail over the coming weeks. If you find you're, you're annoyed by one of these sections, just hold off for the full post, in which we will deconstruct that myth more thoroughly. Then you can get mad. It's always easy. One of the concepts taught, thought to be a core tenet of Krav Maga is that it is easy, and therefore people of all ages, shapes, and sizes can learn. This is often a message promoted by those now big box franchise Krav Maga organizations often openly stated in their marketing material. This is both true and untrue. While the techniques and approach of Krav Maga should be easy to learn, they, like anything, take time and effort to see results. If your Krav Maga school is always easy and you enjoy every class all the time and you have never once thought that you hate your instructor, then I am sorry, it's probably not Krav Maga. While Krav Maga is easy compared to other styles, from a technical standpoint, its training and process should not and cannot be easy or comfortable at all times. This means that though Krav Maga is one of the best self-defense styles in the world, if not the best, it may not be for everyone. Sorry, not everything is. It should be taught as it was by its creator. Many organizations and individuals still take a traditional martial arts approach to Krav Maga. They say, this is how I was taught by the master, and so on, and so on. Thus, I should teach it to my students this way as well. This is patently wrong, and it actually goes against some basic principles of Krav Maga, that if it doesn't work, don't use it. 
Inherently, by the fact that times change, and so do people, attacks will change, tools will change, and knowledge will change. So too must the techniques and strategies change. I have met individuals from various organizations and countries whom are training Kramaga as it was taught 30 years ago. And they told me, only this is Kramaga. I suspect many of these instructors have lost their connection to those at the forefront of Kramaga, or they have simply been tricked by their own ego. Just like with the principles of situational awareness, situation instructors must look at their system and their methods, then assess, assess, assess. Further to the point, as a student, you must know that periodically text may and should change. This may come in all forms of additions or subtractions in the curriculum. Modifications to the way techniques are executed or new approaches to how techniques and principles are taught. It's always about aggression and fighting. I regularly encounter that belief that if I learn Krav Maga, I will be really aggressive because it's just about going crazy and fighting. While aggression and understanding of how fights work are components of learning Krav Maga, these in themselves are not Krav Maga. Remember, Emi Lichtenfeld, the founder of modern Krav Maga, when asked what the purpose was, said, so one may walk in peace. Does this sound like the words of someone who wanted people running around being aggressive and messing people up? I think not. While you certainly cannot learn Krav Maga without learning to attack with purpose and aggression, if you think you are always going to walk into a Krav Maga class and go 100% trying to kill each other, you are completely wrong and probably need to spend less time on the internet or get better sources. More accurately, Krav Maga teaches you to understand and respect the reality of violence with the additional understanding that times change and so do people especially in a modern world in which laws matter and cameras matter, making self-defense more complicated, you need to have a more holistic approach to your Krav Maga. It's too lethal to train properly or spar. If you believe the previous myth, then you may also believe this one, as they are fairly connected. It is simply bullshit. The reality is, if you understand how to train your nervous system and you understand Krav Maga ideas and strategies from a principal's first point of view, then all you really need to know is that you can flip the switch that's and apply the it in lethal form. Obviously, if it is so harsh that you cannot train consistently and for a long time, then the training isn't very good at all. The hardcore mentality is an old school mentality and is misguided if you expect longevity in your training path. Additionally, not everyone is capable of going hard all the time, not to mention we want to avoid injuries in order to stay training. So if we actually trained at 100% all the time, the bodies would hit the floor and we would be violating another Kramaga basic, avoid injuries. It's not about training hard or for lethality, it's about training smart to get the results we need. If you came to class to kill, there's a good chance you won't last because either someone will put you in your place or will be kicked out. It's all about combat tactics, and it's only for military and police. The notion that it's only for military or police, and not for me, simply isn't true. Originally, Imi taught it to civilians, primarily Jews, to protect themselves from the Nazis pre-World War II. When Israel was formed in 1948, it was taught to the military, and during that time it was considered a closely guarded secret. Given that it was intended so one may walk in peace, when tensions eventually eased in the 80s, teaching of the system was open for civilians. 
Well, yes, at a good school, you can go from being a civilian to civilian trained in a manner similar to military or police. It is not meant to turn you into these things, but rather give you an understanding that self-defense is not limited to unarmed combat, even if the laws in your country say otherwise. Anyone can learn Kramaga and should learn it, or at the very least a legit style of self-defense components, so that everyone may walk in peace. It's only one style. People often talk about styles and say, Kramaga is just Kramaga, and it has its limits. This is not strictly true, as originally it was based on boxing, wrestling, and being generally fit. Right there, in its foundation, the potential for multiple styles is evident. Not to mention that if your school is being honest, it will ensure that it has instructors whom are capable of teaching multiple styles. You should be learning aspects of boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, submission grappling, and judo, as well as police, military, and security application. A good Kramaga school is actually making you a jack-of-all-trades, ranging from okay to good at any of all these styles so that you are better prepared to deal with any and all attacks. Of course, all these styles need to be taught in a way that maintains a common conceptual thread and incorporates basic Kramaga principles, which means how solid your Kramaga is really depends on the design of your curriculum and the character of your instructor. Conclusion These myths and misconceptions will be broken down to explore it in greater detail from a variety of angles over the coming weeks. It is our hope that these myths will be dispelled and that we get the misconceptions out of your head, replacing them with understanding that even if Kramaga is simple and easy to learn, its mastery is a more ambitious goal. So empty your cup and prepare to fill it again. Written by Jonathan Fitter. Audio by Jonathan Fitter. Okay, so you had our awesome intro and you had the intro intro of this series. Double intro. Um... Right, It's always easy. It should be taught as it was by its creators. It's always about aggression and fighting. It's too lethal to train properly. It's all about combat tactics and only for the military and police. It's only one style. As you'll see multiple times, I repeat, it's so one may walk in peace, which is very broad and open-ended of what it's supposed to be. Fundamentally, if you're learning the style with the correct mentality and the correct training processes and development paths, and the most effective techniques, uh, as proven by actual uh, training under pressure, then it's going to be closer to Kramaga than not. Just because you call something Kramaga doesn't make it Kramaga. Just because it's not the way you teach Kramaga doesn't make it not Kramaga. See how that works? A lot of people run around saying, it's Kramaga, bitch, and it's not. What was the famous one? Uh, Jessica Jones. Uh, the chick, the blonde chick. I'm sorry, I totally forgot. It's been a while. And she's like, I know cry, my God, bitch, or something. And it's like, mm, not really. And they just make it look like this Sunday special soccer mom style. Then it's like, not. You're just doing kickboxing. Just doing kickboxing doesn't make it cry, my God. Okay? It's not. If you're not training it properly, it's not. But there's a lot of misconceptions out there because of the internet and because of ego and just bullshit people. Well, I don't really talk about it in the series, but let's just talk about it. one of the reasons that Kramaga has such a problem globally with the image and other stuff is Israeli ego, one, but I'll put a pin in that. But also the fact that the instructor building me, uh, instructors in the Kramaga world has become gimmicky and crap. And that's because, you know, even organizations that I respect, 
like for real respect them still do this whereas um you want to be an instructor here's a four-day course you want to be an instructor here's a seven-day course some of them you know through a series of courses it's 21 days now the reason they did that was how do we spread this if we don't have instructors everywhere and also it's easy to learn therefore we can teach people how to be instructors in such a short amount of time so basically what has happened is they sent shithead instructors all over the world from a lot of different organizations, people who I don't, I would never certify ever. Um, some of them absolutely would, of course. But, you know, if you have an 80, 90% pass rate, you're probably not really running an instructor course. And if you never fail people, your standards are low. Sorry, bud. Um, and so that has just sent people who don't, they may be able to mimic the techniques, but they don't really know how to teach it properly. Uh, and then you get, you know, military guys who know how to teach for the military, but they don't know how to teach for civilians, etc. And it just gets complicated because there's so many bad instructors. Now, let's take a compare this to jujitsu. Why did jujitsu do so well? Well, the Gracies basically planted themselves all over the place and started developing schools. And of course, the UFC made them famous. And they had a very strict thing. You can't be an instructor till you're black belt. Well, how long does it take to be a black belt? 8 to 10 to 15 years. They basically force people to go through the process before they could even be endorsed, right? And of course, now things have changed a bit, but they basically made sure people knew what they were doing. Yeah, we can talk about, oh, there was only two belts originally, you get a blue belt, and then you can instruct. But fundamentally, that's what they did to maintain the integrity. Now, some organizations do this, and those are the organizations globally you've probably never even heard of because they're only in Israel because they're not ready to go global because they want to ensure they have high-end instructors. Those schools or organizations I respect for doing that, although I see what they're doing and it looks more like a general martial arts program sometimes, and I'm like, ah, man, what is wrong with people? Nobody seems to know how to do it like holistically right, in my opinion. But that's why I have my own curriculum. Uh, and it's common in the common world. But bottom line is, just because you can do doesn't mean you can teach. And also every idiot on the internet thinks they know what they're talking about. And this has created so many myths and misconceptions because bad instructors and because just people are not as smart or educated as they think they are and get ideas in their heads and then they propagate that on the internet or they watch one video that with no contextual explanation. Context is everything. Stop trying to make context not matter. Anyways, that's off topic. So let's take a look the first myth that it's always easy Kramaga myths and misconceptions it's always easy one of the concepts taught thought to be a core tenant of Kramaga is that it is easy easy to learn and easy to apply therefore people of all ages shapes and sizes can learn it this is often a message promoted by what have become the big box franchise Kramaga organizations, a message often openly stated in their marketing material. This is both true and untrue. While the techniques and approach of Kramaga should be easy to learn, they, like anything, take time and effort to see results. If your Kramaga training is always easy and you enjoy every class, all the time and you never once thought you hate your instructor then I am sorry it's probably not Krav Maga. While Krav Maga is easy compared to other styles from a technical standpoint its training and process should not 
and cannot be easy or comfortable at all times. This means that though Krav Maga is one of the best self-defense styles in the world, if not the best, it may not be for everyone. Sorry, not everything is. Let's expand on this. We'll start with the rough origin of Krav Maga. It started in Israel, before it was officially declared Israel by the way of modern UN Resolution 181 in 1948. At the time, it was the British Mandate of Palestine, a name given to the region after conquering of the Ottoman Empire in World War I. Prior to 1948, Jews and Arabs alike were referred to as Palestinians, learn your history. Without going into too much detail, the important thing to understand is that it was a rough time. Jews had paramilitary groups like the Palmach and were getting ready for the aforementioned and much-anticipated UN Resolution 181. As a result, they were, out of necessity, a rough and tough people. Back then, part of combat training was to have someone jump on barbed wire and allow their companions to run across them. Is this something you could see yourself doing? I don't. In 1948, there was a massive war in the region. It was Israel versus, well, everyone else around them. Watch the video if you want to learn a bit, bit more, though there is a lot of information out there on this topic. Needless to say, with Israel being a newly formed nation containing many survivors of the Holocaust now facing so-called unwinnable war, it continued to be a rough time. The mental fortitude of the Israelis endured through the next, well, way too many wars, and for the most part, victory after victory. Tough people meant tough training. If you go back and watch archival footage from the 70s and 80s when Kramaga started being less of a secret, it was brutal. Like many styles at the time, the reality-based training looked like rock'em sock'em robots, with students trying to metaphorically, we hope, kill each other. This tough training, along with practical thinking pattern, meant an easy-to-learn but not-so-easy-to-train style. A consequence of its necessity for survival origins was that Kramaga training style had a side effect of forging mental toughness in his students and teaching that if it's life or death, the more aggressive or crazy you are, the more likely you are to survive. This style and mentality leads to Kramaga having a reputation that it does. Without these harsh experiences forcing the people of Israel to adapt and develop mental toughness, there would be no Kramaga. And maybe no Jews, because when it comes to survival, this is the way. However, as time progressed, humans realized that, hey, maybe it's actually not so great to metaphorically kill each other, because, you know, head trauma. As it turns out, as long as you train the nervous system, you can actually get similar, if not identical, results without destroying our bodies and minds in the process. Which, in fact, goes against one of the principles of Krav Maga of avoid injury. Research in the fields of psychology, sports psychology, biochemistry, biology has shown that loading the nervous system via exhaustion and stimuli will allow you to train yourself to react as if you are in real danger, without actually experiencing it. Unfortunately, instructors simply toning down their classes along with garbage instructor programs popping up everywhere led to the degradation of the system as a whole. This meant that the easy-to-learn in the sense of the technique should be simple, but the training should still be hard, turned into it's for everyone because it's easy to learn. It is for everyone, if everyone is willing, on a semi-regular basis, to push themselves to the limits and hate the training. Rather than, hey, I got a good sweat on, now I know Krav Maga, that was easy. 
The latter is not only delusional, it fails to accurately train the nervous system to react in an appropriate manner when you are actually in survival mode. That can get your students killed. So, what should easy to learn mean? Let's compare it to another style, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ. For most people, learning BJJ the first six months will make you feel like a fish out of water because it's complicated, technical, and requires a good knowledge of your own body. While after six months of Krav Maga, you should have a good to great grasp on the fundamentals, feel confident that you could deal with some situations, and be ready to learn more advanced concepts. The idea that easy to learn is intended to mean that the techniques and concepts are simple and should only take a class or two for you to get the basics. From there, it's just a matter of drilling. Though this is not to say that you will never find it difficult as you learn more complex techniques or that everyone who walks in can do it quickly or at all if they cannot dig deep for aggression. To be honest, some, if not most, people who quit Krav Maga will quit because the training is too hard, even if it is safe, unlike the old days. And that, frankly, is the way it should be. While building people's confidence and capabilities is important, we also cannot sell a lie, as this would be detrimental to the safety of those we teach. People must know their limits, skills, and capabilities. If you cannot put in the work to prepare to defend yourself or someone else, then your best strategy must be avoidance at all times. Occasionally, people come into our class, and it's hard, and they quit. Sometimes, people come into our class, and it's hard, and they stay. Which of these two people are better prepared to defend themselves in a bad situation? The answer should be simple. So, is Krav Maga for everyone? No, it is not. Period. Just like any martial art, it takes commitment, a willingness to push yourself, and endure some hardship. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. But for those who want an easy-to-learn style, one that will get them where they need to faster than many other styles, and they are willing to do the work, then Krama Guys for you. Easy to learn? Yes. Easy to train? Not likely. Easy to master? Well, only time will tell. Written by Jonathan Fader. Audio by Jonathan Fader. Okay, a little bit of history there. If you didn't know, I like history, and I despise the fact that in modern times, people are rejecting history outright. And I'm not talking about, hey, we learned a new fact about history. Uh, we kind of have to rewrite how we're teaching it. I'm talking about rejecting it outright. I, I don't want to learn history. History is stupid. I don't like it. You really need to understand the historical context of human behavior, because history may not literally repeat itself, but the behaviors of humans do. So you really understand. So I hope... Some stuff can't play the video because, you know, you can watch it yourself. Just look up all the videos. IDF actually has a lot of videos on, uh, on the history of Israel and the wars. It's actually pretty good. So I hope you learned something new. And it's basically talking about that the methodology, not, not, let's not talk about the techniques yet. The methodology that made Kramaga effective came out of adversity, a need to figure out fast what works and figure out how to teach people quickly what works, which meant it's going to be hard. And military training is hard. To be honest, it was probably a lot harder back in the day. Uh, it's still very hard. And no shitting on any particular militaries. But I remember training in Israel, while I was in the IDF, and on a particular base, there was a lot of international armies, NATO allies mostly, and talking to some very well-known military units, and 
asking them about their training. I'm not, not special forces, of course. And they're like, oh, this is what we do. I'm like, that sounds nothing. Now, these people, very large individuals, consistently large, strong. And I listened to what their training was. I'm like, that's not, that's not great. Like, their training was nowhere near as hard as what we had to do. And it's like, oh, my God. The point of that is, is adversity creates problem solving rapidly. And they learned a way to teach people. So some people may say, that's not a myth. Karmaka is uh, not easy. I, it's supposed to be hardcore. It's supposed to kill people. Here's the deal. I do get people in North America, and I have colleagues who get people in North America who say, this is too hard. I want it to be easier. Because in some parts of North America, particularly North America and other places too, they have been sold an idea that Kramaga looks like a kickboxing class or you can just hit a bag and get a good sweat on and they're just going to yell at you and it'll be kind of like a fun boot camp. Uh-huh. That's not Kramaga because that's not even close to the training methodology. It is uncomfortable to do Kramaga properly. Some days you don't have to do it like that, but if you've never do it where you f- hate your instructor, you're anxious, you're nervous, if you don't ever have these feelings at some point in your Kramaga training, you're not being taught proper Kramaga. Because remember, Kramaga is the methodology. If you're never pushed to your limits and you don't know what your limits are, you don't know how long you can pass them and how long you can maintain red line. And if you don't train your nervous system properly, it's a problem. So if you come in and think it's too hard, you're not, in my opinion, willing to learn Kramaga. Go to the McDojo Kramaga school down the street or wherever and do what they're doing, no problem, but it's not Kramaga. Right? So you have to come in knowing that it's not going to be easy. Now, just on a counterpoint, you have to go in knowing it's not always going to be hardcore nonstop all the time because it's a stupid way to try uh, train all the time unless you're all training with professional athletes because average people can't do that. So you just have to put that in perspective. So if I talk to Israelis, they'll be like, Kramaga is not, not easy. But then you talk to a lot of North Americans and they come to my school and they're like, holy shit, this is not what I was learning. And I'm not even going that hard, to be honest. It's that too many schools don't know how to do it properly. And um, the mental health thing is, is I don't want to go too much on a rant on this per se, but I get really pissed at this. Society and ex quote experts and psychologists and psychiatrists and, and the social media mob has basically said that people with anxiety or trauma it's kind of okay for them to demand that everyone else bow down to their emotional needs and do what they want. And I don't agree with that. Is that through adversity your trauma will be resolved? Through it, yes, through adversity it got there, but through adversity and hard work you'll get out of it. Um, and your anxiety, you'll get out of it. Someone with extreme trauma who can't handle Kramaga, I, I would say it's not your first step to recovery. You start with a therapist of, of some kind or a support network, and then you work your way up to Kramaga. It's just not your first step. It is part of your recovery, but not your first step. Someone with anxiety, you need to stop projecting it on other people. It is exhausting. Right, and of course, if that creates that mind storm in your head, oh my God, they, they are making people not like me, and you spiral. Well, stop! Di- stop! Just realize the more anxious you are around other people, the more people are going to have problems with you. And if you start coming into a Krama God class, projecting that on other people, it might actually result in you getting hurt. So again, 
if you can't control it in class, it might not be the first step for you. But know that Kramaga is essentially exposure therapy. And it's training your nervous system to calm down under duress and be able to function under duress. But it might not be your first step. So if you come in and say, this is too hard, I'm anxious, I can't handle it, it's overwhelming, or oh, this is triggering my trauma, I can't handle it, you're doing it wrong. No, you haven't figured your emotional shit out right. It's just not the first step on your journey. You have one, two, or three other steps to go through before you come to Kramaga. So if you go to a school that suits your emotional needs, because it's easy for you, it's easier for you, mentally, physically, or otherwise, it's not Kramaga, and you're lying to yourself, and that instructor's lying to you. And I don't want to go too much into the whole, well, as long as they feel good about themselves, it's important. Uh, not if you're teaching Kramaga properly. Because as I said, sometimes people are going to hate you. I have definitely pissed off students over the years. Either I pushed them too hard or I was too mean to them. But, it, you know, part of it's my own personal social issues. But part of it is, dude, suck it up through adversity. You think the IDF training, even the infantry was easy for me? No. Miserable for me. Hard could barely keep up but you do it to finish because of my mentality was in a war i don't get to stop because it's painful i don't get to stop because it's hard for me in a war i do that i'm a liability for my fellow comrades in a non-communist kind of way comrades and even though you know i'm a difficult person i fairly certain people respect me for that because they all thought i was going to quit and i didn't because that's not how war works. And that's not how a violence situation works. You don't get to quit just because it's hard. I mean, hypothetically you can, but you might die. And I understand that's some people's reaction, but it's, it's going to be worse for you mentally and physically if you do that. And I know a lot of people who disagree with that. Too bad. The more you let people know it's unacceptable to treat you a certain way, then the harder it will be for them to do it. Right? So Kramaga is going to be hard. And if it's always easy and you always feel great and you always love your instructor and you're always doing that, I just don't think they're doing it right. I'm not telling them that it's okay for instructor to be complete assholes. That's not okay. But if, they're, if, if, if you don't hate your instructor at least once, then I just don't think they're doing it right because it needs to be challenging. Now, you should scale it appropriately to the class at hand, but you should slowly build people up to moving their challenge points. And if you're not, and it's always easy, it's not. Krav Maga. Sorry. Not sorry. Oh, I'm too Canadian. Anyways, the next one is, it should always be taught as it was by its creators. Krav Maga, myths and misconceptions. It should always be taught as it was by its creators. Many organizations and individuals still take a traditional martial arts approach to Krav Maga. They say, this is how it was taught by the master and so-and-so. Thus, I should teach it to my students this way. This is patently wrong and actually goes against some basic principles of Krav Maga. That is, if it doesn't work, don't use it. Inherently, by the fact that times change, and so do people, attacks will change, tools will change, and knowledge will change so too must the techniques and strategies change. I have met individuals from various organizations and countries who are training Kramaga as it was taught 30 years ago, and they told me only this is Kramaga. I suspect of these instructors have, many of these instructors have lost their connection to those in the forefront of Kramaga, 
or they have simply been tricked by their own ego. Just like with the principles of situational awareness, instructors must look at their system and their methods, then assess, assess, assess. Further to that point, as students, you must know that periodically techniques may and should change. This might come in the form of additional or su additions or subtractions to the curriculum, modifications to the way the techniques are executed, or new approaches to how techniques and principles are taught. Let's expand on this. One thing to remember is that, at its core, Kramaga is and should be principle-based, rather than technique-based. Some of the original principles of Kramaga were neutralize the threat, keep it simple, simultaneously defend and attack, retsif, continuous attack, use weapons of opportunity, weapon defenses, stick knife gun, focus on vulnerable soft tissue and pain points, subduing techniques. Do you see a specific technique list here? The answer is no. These principles are mostly about strategy or the application of techniques, not specific ways of doing it. These principles were developed based on logic, biomechanics, and the philosophies of Imi and other Kramaga pioneers. Since their, origin, or since their original inception, however, if a technique or principle doesn't work in most scenarios, the norms of what is acceptable in society have changed, or we discover a more effective idea, we rethink, reassess, and make changes. The principles are core to the system, but they too are not set in stone. What this means is that there is quite a lot of interpretation regarding what is best technique or approach, and this is where the trouble starts. In many ways, it is about credibility and ego. That is, an instructor organization doesn't want their students to know that their current curriculum may not be up-to-date or as effective as the instructor claims it is. Fact. Common attacks will vary from place to place and time to time, therefore requiring adaptation of techniques and approaches. Fiction. What worked 20 years ago will work now, at least as a 100% hard state. This means that over time, things will change and refine to maximize efficiency for most people. For most people, Krav Maga tries to leverage natural reactions and movements wherever possible, but some people, unfortunately, will always need to put in more training and practice to gain efficiency, no matter the technique. Bodies, abilities, temperaments are different. Occasionally, I will have a student who came from a school organization that was teaching Krav Maga as it was 30 years ago. Their techniques often fall apart under stress, which says a lot. Their instructors may have been un unwittingly or not conning them. Now, what being said, wh with that being said, there is actually shouldn't be too much variation in the solutions for specific attacks for a simple reason. We have a head, a groin, two arms, and legs. That really hasn't changed much over time. Thus, techniques and approaches from place to place should actually look reasonably similar, so long as they follow the core principles. If they don't look even close to other Krav Maga schools, it is probably not Krav Maga. Be that due to the teachings being outdated or infused with too much other stuff. In the Krav Maga community, much like in other styles, there is politics. So, if you only ever train with one organization and it never exchanges ideas with outsiders, change is unlikely. Which means it is unfortunately likely that you are not being taught the best options in the wider Kramaga knowledge base. I personally started my Kramaga journey with one of the major organizations. 
while they have updated their curriculum a little over time, I found my think thinking their arsenal of techniques was somewhat bloated and not exactly up to date. As I explored various other organizations, I realized that some schools had developed better solutions for one problem and others for another. As a result, the UTKM curriculum has changed over the years as I get more information and training myself, as we stress test techniques with a variety of students. Occasionally, I will see students struggling with one technique consistently. Sometimes I can solve this problem myself, but on other occasions I need some input from outside sources. Maybe that is from another organization, maybe it's from another style of self-defense or another martial arts system. As long as the technique fits in smoothly with the other techniques and follows the core principles, then it will work. However, what I will never do is add a random technique for its own sake. All these changes can be annoying, I know, very annoying, trust me, I know. Sometimes I even have students complaining that they have to learn something new, but guess what, that's Kramaga. So regardless of the technique, though there are garbage ones out there, the reality is that the obsession with lineage and this is how it was then really isn't Kramaga way. The goal is efficiency to stop the threat, and that means changing and adapting with that in mind, if you are still doing it the way it was in the old days, then don't be surprised if your techniques quickly fall apart under duress, especially if the training was easy the whole time. Ego has no place in developing Kramaga, yet, as it involves humans, it will unfortunately always find its way. As an uneducated student or instructor, it is up to you to consistently remind yourself that well-thought-out and well-planned changes is, in fact, the way. Written by Jonathan Fader. For training online, visit www.utkmu.com. If you're in the Metro Vancouver area, come learn with us in person. Sign up at www.urbantacticskm.com. Did that make sense? So, what does that mean? If it wasn't clear there, it is simple. Kramaga, like so many things, because you know, that's how the universe works, needs to evolve and change. It doesn't have to be overnight, but it needs to evolve. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you see this in curriculum all over the world from various organizations is that you'll start to notice from one organization a technique show up, and then it starts to spread all over the place, and then they're all using that technique, and they're all claiming that they invented it, which is the hilarious part. Um, you know, I, you, honestly, I don't even know where some of this stuff, but you start to see the trends because people start to realize, ooh, this is a better option than the way we were doing it before. Now, there are some people who are like, oh, this isn't Kramaga, it's not the way Imi was teaching it, or that's not the way the, uh, the Kapop people were teaching it. Yeah, that's it's supposed to change. If you're still teaching the curriculum the way it was 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, you're just teaching ineffective stuff now. Something to remember about combat in the past, right? Same for the Gracies inventing stuff, is that in the past, the people who learned how to learn technical martial arts and technical fighting were either professionals or wealthy. As in a professional soldier, professional army, professional this. There was no internet, no access to information. And this is why, like in, in Asian martial arts, you used to see the various different styles that were similar but completely different. And they'd, they'd keep their secrets. I am not teaching you 
the secret five finger death touch that only our studio knows. And one of the re- problems is they didn't have an interchange or exchange of ideas to actually challenge what works and what doesn't work. That's actually been one of the beautiful things about jiu-jitsu is uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is that it's been tested all over the world. People figure out what works, what doesn't work, invent and create and change and adapt to figure out what the best possible options are. Sometimes people come up with something so random and wacky, people don't know what to do with it, but eventually easily break it down, which means, oh, maybe it's not that effective against trained people. But this all means that now that information is out there publicly, the internet, that the average moron who watches YouTube videos, no offense to you morons, but whatever, some of you might actually be very good at, to be honest. But uh, the average person out there... um can now all of a sudden challenge you because maybe they're bigger, stronger, faster than anyone at your gym. They have a basic knowledge of how to fight and oh shit, that stuff you've been teaching doesn't work anymore because you don't have a basic knowledge of what really, really works because nobody's ever challenged your ideas. So if you are one of these organizations that's sticking to do uh, what it was like 30, 40 years ago, it's kind of like, what are you doing? Picking on Brazil again, I've had students who've trained in Brazil and come up here and I'm like, what in the hell are you doing? It's like old 30, 40 year old stuff that no one teaches anymore because it doesn't work. Or they run it like a traditional martial arts school and you need to adapt, right? Like I was taught some grappling stuff in Krav Maga way back when, not comprehensive. And then you realize you start grappling with grapplers and like, oh shit, if a grappler comes up against me, I am screwed. I've written about this and talked about this extensively. And now I'm quite confident in my ability to grapple that even a really high-level person, I'll be able to fend them off even short enough time to be able to get away to safety if I need. Or submit them, maybe. You know, hopefully I catch them by surprise. Uh, High-level, super high-level people, probably not. But, you know. And you need to diversify your skill set and change and grow just like in life, just like growing up, just like in business, just like... Oh, the thing we said five minutes ago isn't true anymore. We want to pretend like that's not the case. Let's keep lying. Remind you of anyone? Governments. Yeah, sometimes you got to change. And if you're just honest about it from the start, yeah, we're not teaching that anymore. It's the way it was. And I remember I changed the curriculum majorly like three or four times as I was exposed to more Krav Maga. And I had some of my older students that just like left because they're like, this is bullshit. Why would you teach me something that doesn't work? I don't want to relearn new stuff. I just spend all the, yep, too bad. That's the way it works. We learn something better, now we change, right? Locally, there was only limited amounts of craft schools, and I was only exposed to so much. And then I started expanding and learning more from different organizations, getting different perspectives. And uh, you just expand, and you have an open mind, and you change. I don't really care what the origin is. I mean, you should give credit where credit is due, but it shouldn't matter that much as to where it comes from. Because um, who cares what works, works. Accept it, move on, develop and grow. Don't be closed-minded. So I think, I, I mean, I basically covered it. So the next one is, it's always about aggression and fighting. Everybody be kung fu fighting. Yeah, I need to not sing on this thing. Okay, listen to this one. Kramaga myths and misconceptions. It's always about aggression and fighting. I regularly encounter the belief that if I learn Krav Maga, it will make me really aggressive because it's just about going crazy and fighting. 
Not exactly. While aggression and an understanding of how fights work are components of learning Kramaga, these in themselves are not Kramaga. Remember, Emil Lichtenfeld, the founder of modern Kramaga, when asked what the purpose was, so he said, so one may walk in peace. Does this sound like the words of someone who wanted people running around being aggressive and messing people up? I think not. While you certainly cannot learn Krav Maga without learning to attack with purpose and aggression, if you think you're always going to walk into a Krav Maga class and go 100% trying to kill each other, you're completely wrong and probably need to spend less time on the internet or get better sources. More accurately, Krav Maga teaches you to understand and respect the reality of violence with the addition of understanding that times change and so do people especially in a modern world, which laws matter, cameras matter, making self-defense more complicated, you need to have a more holistic approach for your Krav Maga. So let's expand. Yes, being aggressive is a fundamental of Krav Maga. However, we aren't talking about aggression in personality or attitudes in everyday life. What we mean is, when forced to, you must attack with everything you have in order to overwhelm the threat and you don't stop until the threat is stopped though it probably isn't the original expression Kravitz used we like to sum it up as crazy beats big or rather the person willing to do greater violence with greater ferocity while applying applying wise tactics is most likely to win any given fight we also have to remember that Kramaga came out of a need for survival in literal life or death situations. Of course, if you are in life or death situations with another human, then by all means, have at it. Be as aggressive and as violent as you need until the threat is stopped, even if that unfortunately means lethal force. The thing is, unless you are in such a situation, ideally avoided via the first two stages of self-defense, then being so aggressive that they die is going to result in dire consequences legally, emotionally, socially, etc. The days of going full on in all situations are basically over, and in most places, at least in the Western world. And the reason is simple, accountability. How so? As one of my many teachers, Amit Himmelstein of IKF said, and I'm paraphrasing, Guys, it's the 21st century. Krav Maga can't be about being insanely aggressive anymore. Everyone has cameras, or there are cameras everywhere. This means that if you're overzealous in your violence, somebody probably saw it, or it was filmed. Best case scenario, it's on YouTube. Worst case scenario, you're in jail for the rest of your life. Or worse, depending on where you are. The reality is our modern societies have modern laws and modern social standards. Let's take Canada for example. Our self-defense laws are such that you may employ equal force in the moment to stop the threat. Now in theory this is simple, but in practice when looking at the results of a range of court cases, you might as well flip a coin. Cases I thought were clearly self-defense ended up in a guilty verdict, and cases I deemed aggravated assault came out not guilty. The truth is, the jury process really isn't about peers. It's simply about citizens who, on average, are not experts on use of force and have little understanding of how violence works. That is, sometimes you need to be more violent than onlookers may think because they aren't the target of the threat itself and therefore cannot feel the actions or resistance of the aggressor 
or grasp what's going on for you internally. It means that in reality, you actually need to be very careful how much force and aggression you use, while which can be quite difficult without significant training. If your default is always to be super aggressive and destroy the attack, attacker, especially for men, even more so for larger men, you may find yourself regularly on the wrong side of the law. Even if you and others feel you are in the right based on actual knowledge and use of force of self-defense. I'm going to tell a story about a alleged student I once had. They came in and were quite aggressive, to the point that all the instructors and students complained. I asked the student about it and they told me, but Krav Maga is all about aggression, and that if they weren't being aggressive in class, then it wasn't Krav Maga. This individual is the only person I can recall to whom I have had a written warning and probation most people who don't fit in the uh, school just leave on their own. I told them they had to train safely or they would be out. They kind of disappeared until the probation period was over and came back thinking it was lifted. I guess they didn't understand how it worked. From what I heard, they ended up bouncing around a few Krav Maga schools that I know. One day, I got a visit from a more one of the more serious police squads. It seems this individual may have not have gotten the hint, or may have just been a psycho, and may have stabbed someone a few years later. They claimed they learned it all in Krav Maga, and that I taught them to be super aggressive. This claim, of course, was false. They were just unstable and were looking for somewhere to be violent, which is not Krav Maga, and is certainly not learning to walk in peace. While some people, psychos aside, thrive on aggression, aggressiveness, hard training, and only want to do Krav Maga if it is this, I must constantly remind people that this in itself is not Krav Maga, but rather an aspect of it. If you only want to train because it's hard, aggressive, and you get to go crazy, then you may be missing the point. Kramaga is truly about learning to walk in peace, knowing you are capable of violence if you must, but that you would rather not in, true, in the true warrior fashion. Warriors of old knew this because once upon a time, it was always life or death, and the wrong encounter would mean your death, not theirs, or worse, a crippling injury with no medical system, which meant your family starved and you died anyway. This, perhaps, is a lesson we have lost, since... It's not all about life or death anymore, but it is one we must never forget. So whether it's because our laws keep us in check, or because the wrong fight means death, just know that aggression is only part of Krav Maga. It is meant as a tool to counter someone else's extreme violence, not a state of being or default. Use your aggression along with your strategy, your technique, and your control, all while trying to avoid conflict altogether. But know that when fire meets fire, you must have to go, you may have to go full flame on, but only if you must. Ask yourself if you are learning to be aggressive and go ham in Krav Maga, or are you actually really learning to walk in peace as Krav Maga was originally intended for? Written by Jonathan Fair. For training online, visit www.utkmu.com. If you are in the Metro Vancouver area, come learn with us in person. Sign up at www.urbantacticskm.com. Right, so apply a bit of crazy to crank up your aggression and stop the threat before it stops you is a strategy in a life or death situation.
But that's not how society works anymore sometimes. And if you always apply aggression to everything. So I have some students who come in and interpret Krama guys. I need to apply. I need to be aggressive all the time. And then I have other students that interpret the, you need to avoid run all the time. There is a balance. Seek balance. You must is another series, right? You need to seek balance. And you need to understand that you need to walk in peace. And that can mean many things. You need to change your strategy based on what's going on. If there's a severe threat to life or death or harm or injury to yourself or others, then go ham. Be aggressive because aggression will work over technique a lot of the time in self-defense because of the psychological uh, roles people play of attacker and aggressor. They thought you were weak. Now you're not. Now they think this is worth it. It's not the same as walking into a cage. It's just different. And when MMA and people don't understand there's an actual psychological difference between the scenarios uh, when you're attacked outside of your, your environment. If you go ham and go aggressive when it's not appropriate or you misread the situation and you go aggressive, you can end up in jail. And while it's a huge part of Krav Maga, and I need to train people to be more aggressive, it's not all about that. One of my instructors, I've said this many times, uh, Amit Himmelstein, IKF, says, guys, everyone has cell phones. You can't just beat the crap out of people anymore. You need to be aggressive to achieve your goal, whatever that may be, whether it be run, to fight, to control, right? So I'll tell a story I've probably told it before. I had a student once who was a problem student. They didn't last long. You know, They were being aggressive about everything like aggressive in the warm-up games, aggressive when training, aggressive with other people. And this individual was not very large um, or physically intimidated, just clearly a crazy person, right? But they were very intelligent. So, you know, they thought they were very smart. You know, I put them on probation and said, listen, you got to knock it off. I'm, you can't do this. And they they thought they could outsmart me by just waiting out the probation coming back. It's like, dude, that's not how that works, Okay. But this person genuinely believed they'd gotten it in their head. I think they were just mentally unstable or just a psychopath or something. And then there's reasons I say that. Um, but Krav is about aggression. I was like, yes, but not if you kill your training partners, metaphorically. Because there were people in the gym who knew how to fight and were bigger, stronger, fat. And they said, listen, man, I'm just letting you know if this person does that to me like, they, like they're doing to other people, I'm going to put them in the hospital. Because this person was not respecting other people in training. So be a good training partner in another series. Um, but, it's you know, for that individual, it's going to get them in jail. And guess what? While I didn't follow up with this, I'm fairly certain this person ended up in jail. Because after they had my dealings with me, to my understanding, they went around to other Kramaga schools locally. And, of course, the other Kramaga schools are you know, questionable, some of them. Um, but... I don't know, a few years later, I got a call from a certain police unit saying, hey, can we talk to you? Now, this individual had basically tried to throw me and other people under the bus, saying this person taught me all this stuff, they taught me all this stuff, they taught me all this stuff. Kramaga taught me how to do this. I'm fairly certain, allegedly, they stabbed someone. And the picture I believe the officers were trying to paint is this person is hyper-aggressive and perhaps mentally unstable. And, and that's how I would characterize this individual. For you know, I don't know the details of this individual's life, why they're like that. I don't know. I didn't really want to keep this person around for obvious reasons. But it just shows you that if you apply aggression incorrectly, 
and I don't know whether the person was killed or not, and stabbed someone or put someone in the hospital or whatever, you're going to end up in jail in most Western countries. And if you're not in a Western country and you act like a jackass and kill or stab or beat up the wrong person, you may be dead tomorrow because you didn't realize the person that you were messing with was not the person to be aggressive with. Right In some places, you mouth off the wrong person, you're going to get stabbed or shot the next day. You know, some countries, some, some even places in Western countries, it depends where and what you're doing. Sometimes aggression is not the appropriate response in a self-defense scenario. I know the common one is, hey, if someone tries to rob you, just give them what they want. And that may, and I say may, be very much the appropriate response. Just give them the wallet or give them the water. Personally, I'm not giving you my wallet because I'm not calling the goddamn credit card companies a million times to change my addresses. Because apparently they all have different systems of the different divisions and I don't want to deal with that. If I just had cash in my wallet, I'd be like, eh. Although it's me, so who knows what I'll do. I'll probably try to out-crazy the person. I'll be like, do, do you really want to stab me? Are, are you sure? But hey, that's not most people's strategy, and it's actually dangerous for most people. So you have to recognize uh, if you need to be the aggressor or if you need to back down. Aggression just simply isn't always the answer. In a pinch, if you're overwhelmed, you need to take back the situation by being aggressive. Technique is extremely important, etc., but that's just how you do it. And you need to really think about that. That if you go into Krav Maga and I have students who are not crazy and just, I want to, if I don't burn off my energy and go crazy in aggression every single class, then I don't want to be there. It's part of what I've experienced during COVID. Nobody wants to do virtual for Krav Maga. You know, other martial arts styles are like, hey, I got all my students in virtual. Yeah, some styles, you can do drill work. It's quite normal as part of the style. Krav Maga people just don't want to do that. It's not fun practicing stuff in the air. Even though visualization is a legitimate technique, it's just not what people want to do because a lot of people are like, aggressive, I need to go ham if I'm not doing anything. That's part of it. And I'll probably beat this in down the bush a million times over the next forever. It's part of it. It's in a very important part, but it's not all of it. Because if you just jack up your nervous system, then you're not walking very much in peace. So remember, it's not just about aggression so the next one is similar is on a similar boat it's too lethal to train properly or spar so listen Krav Maga myths and misconceptions it's too lethal to train properly or spar if you believed the previous myth then you may also believe this one as they are fairly connected. It too is simply bullshit. Yes, Krav Maga is brutal, but the reality of is if you understand how to train your nervous system and you understand Krav Maga concepts and strategies from a principal's first point of view, then all you really need to know is that you can flip that switch and apply in lethal form if needed. Obviously, if it was so harsh that you could not train consistently or for a long time, then the training isn't very good at all. The hardcore mentality is an old school mentality and is misguided if you expect longevity in your training path. Additionally, not everyone is capable of going hard all the time. Not to mention that we want to avoid injuries in order to stay training and live a good life. 
If we actually trained 100% all the time, the bodies would hit the floor and we would be violating a rather sensible Kramaga principle, avoid injuries. It's not all about training hard for lethality, it's about training smart to get the results we need. If you came to class to kill, there is a good chance you won't last. Either someone will put you in your place or you will be kicked out. So let's discuss. Whenever I hear about this myth, one of my favorite Israeli sayings comes to mind. Atachai beseret, which means, which says atachai beseret, or are you living in a movie? In the masculine. While this phrase actually translates quite well into English, it still doesn't have the same impact as it does in Hebrew. In English, you could say you are crazy, you're delusional, or you're living in a fantasy. The logical fallacy of this myth is easy to point out. If everyone who ever trained Krav Maga did so in a lethal fashion, everyone would be dead and no one would actually be training it. Or if the process of training it was too lethal, then the Israeli army, the IDF, would not have been around to defend anyone. A great general, or even good one, would be a wiser than to kill off its best warriors in training. This logic is fairly simple. Yet some people still live in a fantasy land or spend too much time perusing the depths of the internet, like random Reddit subforums, a place I never really understood. Yes, Krav Maga is a style deeply rooted in life or death situations, and it trains for potential deadly encounters. This, however, is true for any martial arts that started with self-defense or practical combat in mind. At least it should be, otherwise, what's the point? Thus, it is a relatively safe assumption that all styles started as violence versus danger. Kramaga, being more modern, has yet to fall prey to the current trend to water down a system for sporting and marketing purposes, although some places may have already. The need to defend oneself physically has been around since we, as humans, realized there were threats all around us. Once we became self-aware, we needed more than a simple nervous system response to protect us, in particular from other humans. This is why self-defense systems, martial arts styles, and combat tactics were developed globally. They were all rooted in the need to better defend oneself in order to survive, which means all styles started with some degree of lethality in mind, then peaceful times and sport operations asserted their influence. There are many styles that are comparable to Krav Maga, where it's simply a matter of taking out the flashy elements and ensuring that the fundamentals are reasonably easy to learn and apply on a consistent basis. For most people, most of the time, in most situations, with more variables allowed for than the average style. Additionally, Krav Maga's lethality comes from the training methodology developed under duress to allow people to train safely and be able to function under duress. We don't train to fight, we train to defend ourselves, but we still need to be able to spar and survive sparring in order to understand how fights move, flow, and how to stay calm and react. Perhaps the notion of lethality here could be replaced with efficiency, efficacy. A system or style for most people only works in the dojo or competition isn't very practical that on the street or in combat. Kramagar remained effective for practical application as a practical applications came up a lot for Jews before, during, and after World War II. However, don't think 
for a second that any martial arts style can be cannot be lethal, as it is not the system that is lethal, but the person and their intentions. In the ring, an MMA fighter is most likely going to beat the average cravist as the two train for different purposes. Plus, MMA fighters certainly have the skills to be lethal on the streets if they need to. Humans, after all, are just bags of water, flesh, and bone, and lots of things can kill us. The only real difference is Kramaga's simplicity and ability to deal with a wide variety of situations quickly, including modern weapons and tactics, which is bolstered by the training style focused on training the nervous system for the inevitable stress of a mugger assault situation or other life-and-death altercations. Just as anyone who has fought in combat and fought in the ring, there is a difference. That being said, if you find yourself training Kramaga at a school where it feels like actual life or death training and you are fearful of getting your head kicked in regularly, then your instructor is either an idiot or an asshole and knows nothing about proper Kramaga. So, is Kramaga too deadly to train properly? Tachai Beseret, written by Jonathan Fader. For training online, visit www.utkmu.com. If you are in the Metro Vancouver area, come learn with us in person. Sign up at www.urbantacticskm.com. Okay. Atachai Beseret. Okay. If you genuinely believe that it is too lethal to train properly or spar, get off the internet. Or you're just a delusional person in general. Nothing is too dangerous to spar unless you're trying to kill each other. And if you're trying to kill each other... It's a shitty style because now you can't pass it on to anyone and everyone's going to forget. So it's not about it's too dangerous to spar or train properly. It's you need to learn how to do it. Train so you avoid injury. A Kramaga principle. Shocker. Again, if you train realistically enough, then your brain doesn't know the difference. You don't have to train exactly as it will be in a life-or-death situation because if you're doing that all the time, you're going to fry your nervous system and your body. And a lot of people who believe that often probably haven't even been in a fight because you can go pretty hard with a lot of people and just be fine. It depends on what you're doing. Obviously, you can go a lot harder in grappling uh, than you can in kickboxing in training. You know, the Thai style of kickboxing, uh, sorry, uh, the Thai style of just general training, they're just tapping each other versus a very westernized approach is take their fucking head off. And of course, then you have no training partners left and everybody hates you or you get CTE. Now, you do have to be careful, right? Now, wrestlers are known for being one of the most hardcore combat athletes because their training is insane. And it's insane, okay? Now, someone was telling me that actually right now wrestlers have the highest rate of CTE because they're constantly headbutting accidentally and bashing each other accidentally and they're just going so hard that it gives long-term damage. And that's the reality of combat sports of any kind is that if you keep taking it in the head for too long too often, then you're not going to be very effective down the road. Now, since we're training for self-defense, you don't want to do that. Because we need our brain to be as, as, as pristine as we can. You're like, you're going to get hit. You have to learn to get hit. You know, past green belt, I don't expect them to spar. The advanced training doesn't have sparring in it because they get enough in our warrior classes. And that's the time to spar and develop those skills. Uh, and if you don't feel like sparring, you don't have to. You must for progression. Otherwise, I don't think you're learning properly. But 
you need to realize that you can't do it all the time. And I have to actually talk a lot of students down from, I'm sparring every single class. You know, when I had classes every single day in periods, like people, I'm sparring every single time. Consequently, I had other people who'd spar never, which is like, okay, don't do that. You should spar at least once a week when you're starting out. Some boxing gyms will be like once a month or every two weeks. You know, you need to meet the minimums, but you need to get the experience in, but you don't want to kill each other. Now, if you look hard enough, you will find videos of of, of Krav Maga in the military from the 70s and they're bare knuckle beating the shit out of each other. There is a reason they stopped doing that. They're like, huh, why are our soldiers keep getting injured? Huh, why are the soldiers not able to continue training? Because you can train aggression and you can train all the other stuff without killing each other. So long story short, Atapach, yeah, haven't spoken spoken Hebrew in a long time. Atachai Beseret, you're living in a movie. Stop, okay? If you're trying to kill each other, you're just a shitty train. So it is not too lethal to train properly or spark. Get as realistic as you can without killing each other, and you're good to go. So the next one, that it's all about combat tactics and only for the military police, which is a similar concept. So listen, Kramaga, myths and misconceptions. It's all about combat tactics, and it's only for the military or police. The notion that it's only for the military or police and not for me simply isn't true. Originally, Imi taught Krav Maga to civilians, primarily Jews, for the purpose of enabling them to protect themselves from the Nazi pre-World War II. When Israel was formed in 1948, it was taught to the military, during which time it was considered a closely guarded secret, given that it was intended so one may walk in peace when tensions eventually eased in the 80s, teaching of the system was open for all civilians. Well, yes, at a good school, you can go from being a civilian to a civilian trained in a manner similar to military or police. It is not meant to turn you into these things, but rather give you an understanding that self-defense is not limited to unarmed combat, even if the laws in your country say otherwise. Anyone can learn Krav Maga and should learn it, or at the very least, a legit style with self-defense components so that everyone may walk in peace. So let's talk about it. This myth really comes out of the fact that the tactics for Krav Maga were fairly close, closely guarded within the military for the early days of Israel and the IDF. It wasn't until the 70s and 80s when it began to open up to the public. In one way or another, furthermore, when it started to go global in the 90s and early 2000s, Krav Maga was primarily targeted to the military and police organizations. This is one factor that contributed to the use of the patch ranking system by IKMF when it was formed in 96 and later KMG in 2010. Patches being a common means of identification for groups and ranks within the police and military unit, something that makes little sense for civilians, therefore furthering the myth that it's only for the professionals. With regards to curriculum, one thing to know is that there are many different Kramaga organizations, each with different curriculum and strategy, but they are considered Kramaga so long as they are following the fundamental principles and are employing appropriate training methodologies. Some organizations completely separate their police, military, and civilian programs, while others incorporate the techniques and strategies of all applications into one curriculum, placing the more complex material at the higher learning ranks. 
those schools that do separate the curriculum by application will do so by having separate program instructors, one for set for police, one set for military, another for civilians, which in some countries may be done for legal reasons, whereas in other it's simply a more practical for training and marketing. And mind you, some people do believe that civilians should not learn military or police tactics for a variety of reasons, but this is something that we at UTKM do not agree with. So long as you are a law-abiding citizen or reasonable human being, there is no reason you shouldn't learn such things. While extreme violence scenarios are unlikely in day-to-day -day civilian life, in our current world, the reality is that Kramaga should prepare you for any and all possibilities for self-defense situations. The more extreme ones would in fact require military and police tactics because, well, they are for the more extreme situations after all. While we cannot speak for other organizations, we have tackled this issue in a simple way, breaking the knowledge into layers within our ranking system. While white, belt, and orange is a basic civilian self-defense, but it is also where you learn the fundamentals. Which means that if you only want to learn enough to defend yourself in most situations, then all you would need to do is keep training the beginner and novice levels. Eventually, you may even be able to hold off a decent MMA fighter long enough to find your exit. But should you wish to continue, then you too can learn the tactics required for more complicated situations involving firearms, guns, arresting or detaining, and or storming a live shooter with a partner. Our motto, after all, is turning lambs into lions, or another way you could say it is turning everyday citizens into everyday warriors. Because even if you are not the elite physical specimen of the human being, you can over time develop the same skills for the same situations. On a side note, there is a belief by many that only a person who was military police should teach such tactics. This is, by the way, both true and untrue. It is true that experienced police or military vet with loads of training, field experience, and good communication skills will likely be the most appropriate instructor for these tactics. However, the truth is that not all military and police have the same kind of experience. Many people who served on various roles saw far less action than you think, which means that unless you have the former of the, type two, of the two types, a civilian who has spent a lifetime training in military and police tactics for self-defense would be no different in capability than a police or military person who is trained but spent their entire career behind a desk. So really, it's about the person, their experience, and their ability to teach. So Krav Maga is only for the police and military? Quite obviously no, as the basics are all about civilians. Any organization worth, worth its weight in toilet paper will usually teach the military and police stuff to more competent or experienced students, but know that while it is still part of Krav Maga, it isn't the only part. So learning and maybe so learning and maybe once uh, so start learning. And maybe one day, you will not only be able to defend yourself on the street, but will also be prepared for a full tactical assault on that zombie horde should your dream apocalypse ever happen. Written by Jonathan Fader. For training online, visit www.utkmu.com. If you're in the Metro Vancouver area, come learn with us in person. Sign up at www.urbantacticskm.com. Okay, so again, you know, if, uh, originally it was for the military. Well, originally it wasn't. It was for civilians. 
who then paramilitarized and then became military, etc. So there is that lineage loosely, but whether it's the Amy lineage or, or Kapov lineage, it, it doesn't really matter that much. Civilians to paramilitary to military. And then it was a, quote, closely guarded secret, right? And there's a little bit of a crowd history there. It went global, and they, for money and budgeting, all sorts of, we know how to teach military guys, so let's go target uh, the militaries and they got into a lot of European militaries and developed it and that's when a lot of videos were done But remember it originally started with teaching people how to defend themselves against other people self-defense is where most martial arts or self-defense systems start fact and So it's just the development of training aggression training methodologies that came out of the military and obviously the focus is very different you can see a different series I'm doing on that. Styles, military, police, civilian. Just a different approach because the emphasis is on aggression and an emphasis is on exhaustion and mental toughness for reasons that will be explained in a later post or series. Um, you know, when you go civilian, you also need to do ranking. There's a reason people need ranks, right? The idea that you don't need ranks because there's no ranks. Well, military has ranks, so have ranks, Right? You need to bring it in a way that works for the civilian market, where it works for the police, that works for military. It's all slightly different. So the reason this might persist, this myth, is that a lot of the military guys don't know how to teach civilians very well. Their programs aren't developed enough. And they have a student just teaching them the same 10 techniques because that's what they teach in the military over and over again for a year. And they say, good, you know how to combat. And say, no, actually, no. You need a higher level of skill as a civilian. You have more time to develop as a civilian. And overall, you'll probably be a better self-defense practitioner, martial artist, than a special force soldier. They will probably have a mental and physical advantage over you. And their willingness to be violent is probably more than you. Not always, but high percentage chance. But their technical skill will be far worse than yours in most cases. Not all cases, but a lot of the cases, just from what I've seen. So you need to understand that no matter wh what you're learning it for, your crowd needs to be specifically for what you're learning it for. And if you have the time, develop all your overall skills. Right? Kramaga is a unique system right now in the world that we can really adapt it in all aspects for police, military, and civilians and a lot of other styles who claim to do that don't really adapt it properly because they just don't understand the context of the application. You can't just take a technique and magically adapt it for military if it doesn't work. This is the technique I do as a civilian. Uh, sir, we can't do that with a backpack on. No, it works. Trust me, you're doing it wrong. Uh, you may be doing it wrong, but the reality is people teaching to the military or police as civilian martial artists really need to understand the needs of the military. And people who are used to only teaching the military really need to understand the needs and, and uh, of the civilians. And there's a difference. So as a civilian, you can learn Krav Maga just fine. You don't have to learn, quote, military Krav Maga. You can just learn it. It's actually quite simple to do that um, bottom line is it's just it's for everyone so one may walk in peace is for everyone so I don't know if I need to expand on that one much more than I did because it's pretty straightforward the next one is similar to that expanding on it it's only one style protect a human 
that was the meme in one of the posts. So, yeah. It's only one style. Kramagam myths and misconceptions. It's only one style. People often talk about styles and say, Kramaga is just Kramaga and has its limits. This is not strictly true, as originally it was based on boxing, wrestling, and being generally fit. Right there in its foundation, the potential for multiple styles is evident. Not to mention that if your school is being honest, it will ensure that it has instructors whom are capable of teaching multiple styles. You should be learning aspects of boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, submission grappling, and judo, as well as police, military, and security applications. A good Kramaga school is actually making you a jack-of-all-trades, ranging from okay to good in any and all of these styles so that you are better prepared to deal with any and all attacks. Of course, all these styles also need to be taught in a way that maintains a common conceptual thread and incorporates basic Kramaga principles, which means how solid your Kramaga is really depends on the design of your curriculum and the character of your instructors. So let's discuss. Kramaga is primarily known as a stand-up style, targeting anything that is effective with minimal effort, which includes striking that are normally considered illegal when there is a given rule set, like in sports. It is this disdain for rules which limit this to chance of success combined with a strategy and aggression that has made Kramaga so effective. Still, a lot of people do not know about Kramaga or only see it as a pure self-defense system, which it is, but contained within it are many secrets. You will actually be learning boxing, kickboxing, judo, wrestling, and anything in between that adds to your style or fills gaps. This is because you must be prepared for any given situation and that requires skills and abilities found across various styles. A good thing to remember is that while a Kravist will usually have a specialty, if for example I am a better grappler than a striker, you must be a generalist overall, to be able to deal with the most situations most of the time. Something to be aware of is that which style you will learn more of and when will largely depend on your instructor and the curriculum you are learning from. Traditionally, or in the last 30-40 years anyways, most Kravists are boxing or kickboxing specialists, but when it comes to ground, they are often fish out of water. This is because the philosophy of stay off the ground has been drilled into us, and consequently, many choose not to develop those skills. But with the globe, global rise of grappling sports, from a self-defense perspective, ground fighting skills are now essential. You just need to remember how to apply Krav Maga mindset and strategies when teaching groundwork. If you are an instructor with no grappling or wrestling skills, then you should hire someone else to teach it. The same goes if you have traditional grappling background and are not that great at striking. Though Krav Maga punches and kicks are fairly straightforward and can be learned fairly quickly compared to many other styles with fancier ways or more special ways of doing things. However, remember the Krav Maga principles if it takes too long to learn or master, then it really should not be taught in Krav Maga at all. Prospective students often ask, should I do Krav Maga or boxing or grappling? To which I respond, what is your goal? This is an important question to think about. If they just want to get a sweat on, Krav Maga may not be for them. If they want to be competitive in a sports setting, then it also may not be for them. But if their primary concern is general self-defense and they want to learn a little bit of everything, then Krav Maga is definitely for them. If you have limited time and can only train one system, 
then a good Kramaga program will teach you a little bit of everything. You will even learn to understand and wield weapons, modern ones, no swords and three section staffs. Though this should be reserved for the higher level. If you only want to learn boxing, then weapons will never be a factor in it. Or if you don't like striking styles, leading towards grappling instead, then know that while one-on-one -on -one grappling can dominate a fight, but in the grander scheme, it is not always an option. At UTKM, while we, you start with striking and stand-up, you quickly work your way to learning judo wrestling and some BJJ components, along with proper control takedowns that are more applicable for security or law enforcement scenarios. Due to the intensity and psychological differences that occur in the real world, the world outside of the ring. Continue long enough and you will learn pistol, shotgun, and rifle skills, as well as the basics for working in teams and to take down an assailant. This is because in self-defense system, you should learn the basics of everything to deal with any possible self-defense scenario, no matter how unlikely. While you probably won't be the level of a special forces operator or John Wick, you will be far better trained physically, mentally, and technically than the average citizen, and in most cases, far more capable than the would-be assailant who just bit off more than they could chew. So just because the system is called by one name, Krav Maga, it does not make it one specific style. The system is about being prepared for anything, and this means learning a little bit of everything. To be well-rounded, to be ready, so that you too may walk in peace, knowing what you are prepared for the future, what may hold for you. Written by Jonathan Fader. For online visiting, online training, visit utkmu.com. If you're in Metro Vancouver area, come learn with us in person at www.urbantacticscam.com. So is it only one style? But but is it really? No, it's not. Right, Emmy was a boxer, wrestler, and gymnast. He incorporated all those styles. Very similar to Bruce Lee. Incorporated boxing and wrestling into his original Wing Chun style. Um, and developed it. Right, the meme in this one is... The first is Batman, old Batman card, uh, comic book. The first two stop as though within a wall. He punches two simultaneously, which is ridiculous. But anyways, a master of unarmed combat is the Batman. Kung Fu, he kicks them into each other. And judo throws them, and aikido, and throws them aikido style, and plain old fisticuffs, just punching them, and bam and pow. That's not in this one, but you know, general old school Batman. Who doesn't love Batman? Um, I love hate Batman. This is a very different thing. Anyways, uh, you need to have a well-rounded style. So you know, for d decades, most Kramaga people were great at boxing and kickboxing, not so good on the ground. And some organizations integrated ground fighting early, and some did not. And I think a lot of them did it in a way that's delusional, and some of them did it really well. You can say we want them to be overall good fighters, but if you teach it without contextual appropriate manners, then you are going to have an issue. If I teach grappling too early to a lot of people in crowd context, they start going to the ground because a lot of people don't like being hit in the face. I swear to God, if you pull guard on the street, I'm going to smack you. And with that being said, I like to pull guard in jiu-jitsu because I'm lazy, I'm older, not that old, but my knees are messed up. So if I try to wrestle with some of these young guys, I have to be careful. Although wrestling works really well when you know how to do it properly. So guess what? Diversify your skill set. It matters. And you know, that's that's what I did. I think I, I had to pause for a sec. Uh, I think I kind of got there. But, you know, I realized that 
I needed to work on my ground game. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm much better at grappling than I am at striking. Uh, my strategy in striking is to take your fucking head off in a self-defense situation, which is not specific to Krav Maga. It just works for me because I hit pretty hard for a small guy. At least I've been told. Um, I think any sane person doesn't like getting hit in the face. Now, keep in mind, on the ground is not where you want to be for Krav Maga on self-defense. But the ability to control another person's body when you tangle up is super important. Now, you need to learn to strike. You need to learn to throw. You need to learn various aspects that one human can manipulate another body. And you need to know what is effective. If you're only really good at one style and apply that as your kramaga, because often schools are dependent on the instructor. As in, they're really good kickboxers, so they focus more on kickboxing because they don't like teaching the grappling or they teach a lot of grappling, but they don't like the stand-up. I'm going to be really honest. It's a lot easier to teach boxing, kickboxing basics than it is to teach the basics of grappling. So start learning grappling if you didn't figure that one out. Um, but yeah, a good instructor has a diverse skill set to teach you all the styles, right? As I teach Krav Maga, teach boxing, kickboxing, judo, wrestling, a uh, little bit of uh, Filipino stuff, but a much more simplified version of it. I teach firearms. I teach everything. And you need to have a diversified skill set. You know, it's, didn't really talk about it. And it's, it's the myth that the only a military individual with experience can teach uh, military people is not necessarily true. That you need to have the ability to teach to the military, though. There's a different thing because a lot of civilians can go get the appropriate training, be really good. Like, have you looked at airsoft gunners these days? Some of them are amazing from a tactical perspective. They could even teach a thing or two to military guys once in a while. You know, uh, you don't have to just learn from the world champion kickboxer either. Other people from different styles may uh, give you perspective. Like, I, I, I did a seminar with Dan Innocento, who's a friend, training partner, protege, teacher of Bruce Lee. You know, there's all that debate about who taught who. Um but I did. A, I learned some Jeet Kune Do from him in the seminar, and I picked up some stuff. I wouldn't teach it in Krav Maga, but it's like, ooh, that's a new, interesting thing I can do. Um, you know, you have to diversify. I, I, whenever I'm able to, I try to train with different people of different styles. Even if I think what they're teaching is total crap, I learn something out of it, like a teaching thing or a uh, style thing or... Okay, now I can recognize the person who's attacking me is probably using this style. I can know, get their timing and their rhythm. Right, So if you think Krav Maga is just one style, you're actually learning a lot. You know, like if I was to teach a kid's martial I I think I've given up on trying to call any kid's problem. I'm not right now, unfortunately. Now's the time to do it, but I just can't right now for a variety of reasons. But I would just say, hey, I'm teaching kids kids martial arts. Really what I'm teaching them is jiu-jitsu, judo, wrestling, kickboxing, boxing, and self-defense application. And that's what you kind of really base it on. Now, you do have to be careful when you start with the kids and then you get too martial artsy with them and you build it up. Uh, you have to keep, as they get older, it has to focus a little bit more on self-defense applications. But as kids, you can focus on development, right? And then they become amazing fighters when they're older, right? A ki someone who trains as a young child all the way through in combat skills up until, you know, 18, 20, it's going to be phenomenal. If you have daughters and you don't want to teach them martial arts when they're younger, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right, you'd want to talk about strong. The same people talk about strong, independent women and da 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 and feminism. Learn martial arts, Jesus Christ! Now you actually can defend yourself, and you don't have to bully everyone to like beta the shit out of all the men. 
Anyways, that's totally off topic. Diversify your skill set. Who would have thought that is the thing that you need to do full stop? If your instructor is not capable of teaching another style and they have a not a good enough, if they have a healthy ego, they can realize I'm going to hire someone to come in and teach the grappling. I'm going to hire someone to teach the striking. Now, do you have a sit down and say, hey, this is the application of the Krav Maga. Make sure they're not just teaching pure sport. You can preface it, hey, this person's going to make you an amazing striker, though some of the things they're teaching are specific for sports. As long as people are aware and understand the different application, that's great. But healthy ego, realize your limitations, bring in the people that are really good at it. For example, one of my assistant instructors is, is a really good boxer, does lots of boxing. So often if he's in the color belt class, I'll be like, hey, you teach the boxing today. Because he'll think, of, I keep things super simple, fundamental stuff. But if if the group is good enough, I'm like, hey, go go teach him some cool boxing drills. Right, it'll just make him really good. I'm not the best boxer in the world. Yeah, I can take your head off if I hit you hard, but I am not the best boxer in the world. So, you know, healthy ego. Something to think about. So I believe that's all of our myths and misconceptions as part of this. This applies to anything, and I just this is the conclusion, especially in the age of internet, especially in the modern age of misinformation. It's not the, it's not the first time in the entire history of men that we have had misinformation campaigns for political, ideological, or control reasons. In this world of the internet, it's easy to get suckered by a headline. It's easy to get suckered by a, quote, expert. They may very well be an expert, but they're playing games behind the scenes that you're not aware of. It Stuff is not always surface level. It's always deep and complicated. And if the thing matters to you, you'll do your research and expand and diversify and learn what the problem really is. I don't want to get political on this one. Uh, you can tell the time I recorded this. Time Magazine ran an article about the... And they use the word conspiracy and shadow campaign to fix the election. What they're talking about is the 2020 election. But what they're really talking about is a group of people on the left and corporations got together to not rig the election, fix the election. What that means is just because you read something doesn't mean it's us. We, I thought we were told that was untrue. So if you're told it's always easy, is it though? It should be taught by Amy. The way he taught is how he should it. Is it though? It's always about aggression and fighting. Is it though? It's too lethal to train properly or spar. Is it though? It's all about combat tactics. Is it though? It's only the but one style. It's not. It's about learning to walk in peace. And what that means to you could mean very many things. But diversify. Educate yourself. Look into things. Don't just listen to someone with authority. Don't even just listen to me. Fact check me. Although if I get inundated with emails, I'm ignoring them. Not because I'm ignoring them. I'm ignoring them because I'm lazy and I am one person and will have limited time. But for sure, I don't mind getting fact check. Uh, just don't expect me to do some in-depth response <coughs> at this point at least. You know, if I'm doing daily ones in the future, no problem. Um, admit when you're wrong. Fix the problems, etc. So thank you for listening to this series. Again, if you want to support this podcast or UTKM and are unable to train with us directly, you can go to utkmblog.com. Support us. You can donate us generously. Thank you, of course, if you do that. 
and or get your UTKMU account so you can learn Krav Maga along with us or you can sign up for virtual classes at urbantacticscam.com you can always message us and I can sort it out although it is on Pacific Standard Time so you gotta match our time for now at least and maybe in the future I'll do bigger classes but um, yeah come and support us follow us on Instagram follow us on Twitter follow us on Facebook thank you for listening You're listening to The Warrior's Day. Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga. Turning lambs into lions.